Welcome to a historic week in Missouri politics, and we are joined by the lady that made it happen. The mayor-elect of the city of St. Louis, the first African-American lady to ever hold the position, mayor-elect Tashara Jones. Thank you for having me, Scott. It's good to see you. Very exciting. Congratulations on your win. Thank you. So the campaign, I mean, I, I think some folks thought you were the favorite to start with. Close showing last time. When Mayor Cruzen didn't run, it seemed like the win was at your back, and maybe there was a, sometimes in history, things are set up to be historic. Uh, now that you've won the race, what are your priorities entering office? Oh, well, I am just really just, I, I don't want to say shocked, but you know, just pleasantly uh, surprised that uh, things went the way we thought it would, um, and very thankful to the people who voted for me and our supporters. Um, but we have to get to work. Uh, inauguration is in uh, on uh, 420, <laughs> inside <laughs> joke. <laughs> Um, but we have to get to work, uh, you know, uh, uh, putting together a, cab a cabinet. We have mm -hmm. to hire a public safety director because uh, Jimmy Edwards left. Sure. Um, and also addressing COVID. We have over $500 million in federal aid on its way to our city, and we have to disperse them with an eye towards equity. And this is a real opportunity to help people. When I say historic, I mean, most times when, a, when there's a new mayor, it's because things weren't going well, right? Mm -hmm things in the city you can debate whether they're going good or not, but you have this outstanding opportunity of these federal funds yes. that I guess you're going to have the top say in how they're directed. What's going to be your priority? I know there's restrictions on those things, yes. but you can maneuver some things around. What are your priorities to spend with that historic amount of money for the city? Well, direct relief is first and foremost. So that's relief for rent, mortgage, and utility assistance, uh, helping our unhoused, our small businesses. How does that work? Let's say yeah. you're someone who lives on, um, I love how you have all those state names of the streets in South City. Yeah. You live on Tennessee Street. If, if you're watching this and you, you, you've heard of these things, how would you actually get some help with your rent? Is there a website you go to? What do you do? Yeah, so previously, I think the, the, the current process is really convoluted. So we're trying to also streamline that process yeah. so people get help um, uh, as fast as possible because we realize that, you know, it's a domino effect. If you're not able to pay your rent, that means your land mm -hmm. on your your uh, uh, landlord's not able to pay his mortgage. Yep. And if he's not able to pay his mortgage, then he goes into defaulting, you know, the whole host of things. So we're trying to streamline the process and get the money in the hands of the people who need it the most. Um, and Your you know, story's so, a unique one, though. Yeah. You, 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 your family has a history in politics. Yeah. You've talked about how you've struggled before. Mm -hmm. Now you've been in, in, in some of the highest degrees and been in some of the highest circles of finance. You have, a, you have a broad spectrum of experience. How does that regular person, though, are you going to have a website they can go to? Yes. Is it going to be, how could that regular person who needs a little help actually get connected to the help? We're going to have a website. We're going to engage our social services organizations, and we're going to have a phone number as well because we realize everybody yeah. doesn't have access to the Internet. Answered by a regular person. is not, Answered yeah. by a regular person um, and make sure that we can get this money in the hands of people who need it the fastest. Uh, something that people talk about, I spend my week in Jeff City, as you used to when you were state legislature, legislator, they talk about crime. Yes. How do you approach crime? Because I think you had a whole myriad of responses. And I've even seen mm -hmm. the city of St. Louis pass a, a, a tax for law enforcement, right. which to me, you could say you support something all you want. When you dig in your wallet, that, that's, a, that's a commitment that voters don't normally make. Mm -hmm. what, it, what are some of the broad things you could do? I mean, I think there's a lot of people in Jeff City have ideas to help you. I'm not sure, I'm not sure the ideas you want. Right. What would be, if you said, hey, give me a year, 
What are some things you would do to try to address crime? So crime and violence don't stop at our borders. And so our solutions sh shouldn't either. So we should engage our neighbors to the west and the east. We share a long border mm -hmm. with the Mississippi River, right? So let's bring in our partners in Illinois and East St. Louis and St. Clair and Madison counties and, and really start to, and number one, declare gun violence as a public health crisis. And let's do what we can to put the public back in public safety. So that's, that means deploying different professionals to different calls. Uh, or to the right call. Um, because we all know that up to 15% of calls can be answered by someone other than police. And so how can we staff our departments with social workers and mental health and substance abuse counselors? Uh, let's put up a sobering center so when people are arrested for being drunk, they don't go to jail, because that's an expensive option. Yeah. Let's put them in a sobering center for about 24 hours, let them sober up, and then connect them to resources so they can get back to whatever their lives were beforehand or start a new life. These are, we have to, to pivot you know, from this arrest and incarcerate model to one that leads with prevention. Well, I, and I, I go back to your experience that you've talked about publicly. I, I, you know, people, I think, that make laws, generally, if, you, if, they, get a, if they get arrested for DWI, they're going to write a five, $6,000 check to somebody. And, and maybe they don't buy a new boat that summer. But really, right. their life isn't hugely impacted. You put someone in jail that can't afford to get out, lose their job, they're out. They don't have five or $6,000 to write exactly. a check. It is a, you take someone who made a mistake and, and should be punished. And right, things, exactly. But you take somebody and you set them on a course where instead of making a mistake and it being a bad, like that, that state legislator might have a bad summer because he didn't buy a new boat with that six right. grand, you're, you're sending them down a trajectory of a bad life. And there, there seems to me that... While yes, you should be punished when I, I've broken the law, mm -hmm. but but maybe that's not smart. It's just and sometimes I think sometimes being tough on crime or conservative is not smart. Exactly, it's not smart and it's expensive. Yeah, <laughs> because exactly. it costs us up to seventy to a hundred dollars a day to house someone in our jails. Versus, how much do you think it would cost for uh, to to give a person uh, so, some sobering treatments for twenty four hours? That's what Gatorade or Pedialyte. Uh, give them a meal. I've had a pretty light in the morning <laughs> myself before. Right, right. Uh, give them a meal, uh, you know, some electrolytes, um, and, and and counsel them on their options to send them back on their way. And maybe if you have an officer that does that, they're not as, they're, their impression of law enforcement isn't as negative as what right. And take some the officer are. out the mix. Sure. Take the officer totally out the mix. How can we civilianize some of our functions? Do we really need officers doing things like traffic stops in Berkeley, California, for example? Civilianized. What if you, uh, so if you, if you had some time, how long would it take to implement these things and try to see if they work? You know, I, I would say give me a year. Yeah. Give me a year. Um, give, give me some grace. <laughs> sure. Let's talk about your chief of staff. You made a selection there. Yes, um, my current chief of staff is uh, Jared Boyd. Uh, he's been with me for eight years, and like my mama used to say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. All right, I got to jump about the near and dear to my heart, near and dear to Gussie's heart. It is. There has been this bizarre, kind of illogical restraint on the St. Louis Cardinals. Thirty-two percent capacity at Bush Stadium. I mean, how could you restrain Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and Stan Musial? How can, can you, you're a straight shooter, you're tough. Even your opponents say you're tough. Mm -hmm. Are you tough enough to just get the government out of the way of Whitey Herzog and Nolan Arenado and just have the government go bother someone else? I think if Bob Gibson and Lou Brock were alive today, they would, they would uh, also support having some restrictions as we get out of COVID. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe like 90%, right? No, not even 90%.
Well, we have to keep people safe. And, and we're in the middle of a fourth wave. Uh, there's a new variant out there. Um, and I went I went to opening day yesterday. And oh, what a home run by Arenado, right? I didn't. Awesome. I couldn't stay for the whole time because I had to go back and do press. Don't but don't, don't, be <laughs> don't, don't be that person. I, well, you know, it's it's a it's a schedule. We're moving, but we have to keep people safe. But look at other cities. You're, you're hiring a new public health director, I assume, correct? Uh, it's not a good look to hire a new public health director in the middle of a pandemic. Well, maybe you, you're known <laughs> for taking trips and bringing ideas into the city. Yes. How is Phoenix smarter than St. Louis? How is Dallas smarter than St. Louis? How is Atlanta smarter than St. Louis? How I are the Houston? I wouldn't say that they're smarter. I they mean, figured look out a way to open up their stadiums better. I, you know what, we're gonna, you know, you know I love you, Scott, and we're just gonna have to agree <laughs> to disagree on this one. Speaking of someone else you love, <laughs> I wanna ask about your family. Yeah. Uh, you have a son that everybody knows by the name Aiden. Yeah. Uh, his, his life's going to change. Going to the grocery store, going in school, yeah. having security around his mom. Uh, how's that change going to go? You know what? I am going to try to be as present as possible as I have been the last eight years and, and give him the time that he needs. Um, and, and make sure that he knows that when, mom, when I call, mom always answers. Um, because he deserves that. He didn't pick this lifestyle. I did. And so it's up to me to make sure that uh, he always feels loved and respected in this entire process. All right. Uh, a lot of folks in state government watch our show. You have a very good insight for state government. You were in leadership in the House. You're coming in. Some of your ideas you've talked about right now are going to be an anathema to some of the legislators on the Republican side. You know those folks. You know their constituents. You know mm -hmm. these people don't come up with some of these ideas on their own. There's public support back home for them. What would you say? I mean, you, you are an African-American woman is going to add, whether anybody likes to admit it or not, probably another little bit of heat to some of the opposition of things you do in the city. Mm -hmm. What's the message you would give to that backbench Republican who might be tempted to come out with ideas to help you with your job? What, what, what could you say to them and say, hey, I, I, I'm not, I have ideas that want to make the same, because mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, well, us Hill folk don't like to admit it, but a lot of the money that pays for the state services comes from St. Louis. What's right. the message you could give to that person, that backbench Republican, that may have a lot of pressure to come out with some pretty aggressive things to give you some time? Well, first off, I, I think that's the, uh, the ultimate reminder that two-thirds of the state's general revenue comes from our urban centers. And so I'm excited about working with County Executive Sam Page, our mayors from Springfield and Columbia and Kansas City uh, to put together, uh, you know, an urban agenda uh, to talk about the things that the, the legislature does that may hurt uh, our urban centers uh, because you know, those nice roads that you have in rural Missouri, most likely paid for by urban tax dollars. <laughs> so, just, um, it's, just, it's just the truth. I mean, I, it, it is the truth. But, you know, having existing relationships with Parson and Kehoe, I served with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was in the House while they were in the Senate. Have you spoke to the governor since you're I have. I have. We had a great first conversation. Um, I think I'm really excited to. His to, relationship with your predecessor was not a bad one. I mean, they disagree no. on a number of things. But it was, I always observed to be professional on both ends. Right, but the one thing I know that the governor cares about is workforce development. Yes. And so do I. How do we get people to work? Because getting people to work, that's the ultimate crime prevention strategy. Uh, and I know that Kehoe uh, cares about transportation. Mm -hmm. He's a you know former car dealer. And that's another you know uh, jobs plan. How do we get people working on infrastructure projects? If we get those two right, and I think a lot of this stuff fixes itself. A relationship that did not seem as um, 
as cozy, maybe, as, as warm was Lida Cruzan and Sam Page. Sam Page was a very vocal advocate of your election. Mm -hmm. um, what do you do to, to change that dynamic? Well, to change my dynamic with Sam, well, with, or? I think Mayor Cruzan's yeah. relationship with, with County Executive Page was not the warmest right. towards the end well, here. Well, it's the opposite with yeah. me and Sam. Uh, Sam and I talk every week um, and make sure that we are in sync. And so we're, that's going to continue. We are very excited about um, what the future holds for St. Louis City and County and, and trying to get rid of some of these barriers, these invisible barriers between yeah. the city and county. Tell me about Quentin Lucas over on the other side of the state. That's somebody who was... He was he was for you like back. But I don't even know if you'd announced yet when he was already talking er, you up. But he you should was day run. one. Yeah, he came over. He's come over a couple times. Yes, he is a guy with a lot of it. You two have a lot in common. I mean, you come into a room. Yes. There's a lot of charisma and energy. Uh, what is that work relationship going to be like with two people? I know I don't know. If there's ever been a mayor of Salem in Kansas City that we're as personally friendly as the two of you. Yes, I mean we're also going to get rid of that east-west uh, fight. You know what I call Tupac versus Vicky, right? <laughs> we're going to get rid of that as we're well. We're not going to forget '85. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of. I mean, I've looked at things that St. Louis and Kansas City have cared about. What's really made a difference in Jeff City is. If a mayor or a county executive or whoever can engage the business community, yes. the legislators care, even the Republicans. If yes. the business community comes to puts a shoulder behind something, they respond. And those relationships he has and you have here mm -hmm. are probably the best way to get that year and get a little grace yeah. from that. And working together, it does seem like sometimes Kansas City pairs up with the rest of the state against St. Louis. That may yeah. that dynamic may change a little now. Yeah, it's going to change, and I know from Quentin's standpoint, he's going to be able to you know open up the newspaper or 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 open up Twitter or whatever wherever he gets his news, and he won't find out you know uh, by surprise that I'm doing something that's mm -hmm. antithetical to what he's working on in Kansas City. We'll be able to be in sync on a lot of things as mm -hmm. well. So we are ushering in a new era of collaboration and cooperation that the state has never seen. We see him in the halls and. City quite a bit. Not all the time, but once a month or so. We'll see you there? Yes, you will. I'm actually going up on the 27th. Awesome. Well, Madam uh, Mayor, like, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on your win. We thank hope you'll come you. back and, and share uh, share the developments of your administration. Yes, the absolutely. Politics. Absolutely. We'll be right back with our Opinion Maker panel. we got a full group coming in. First, go to showmissouri.com. History of Missouri, one county at a time. We're in Macon County, Missouri, the county where the Union Army said, we'll burn the town or we'll move the county seat to Macon. Lots of history. Eddie Munster and the great Aaron Baker, all from Macon County. Go to showmissouri.com. History of Missouri, one county at a time. We'll be right back after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople, while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right to work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state. 
helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's energy at work. Welcome back to Week in Missouri Politics. Derek Good, a man every Republican knows, not the Jefferson County Republican guru of everything, used to, we'd be like, when the swing, when the general election was coming up, you'd go to the Jeffco guys and say, where's it going to be? Now you've got so many primary votes, they all vote Republican, now you're a primary kingmaker. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be here. Ron Hicks, the Alec Baldwin of This Week in Missouri Politics. I'm so glad to have you back. Uh, I don't know, we should get like jackets or something or rings or like eight timers, but thank you so much for joining us again. Oh, you're welcome. Pleasure to be back. Mallory Schwartz, thank you so much. First time on the show, correct? Mm -hmm. Tell folks a little about yourself. Uh, my name is Mallory Schwartz. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the executive director of NARAL Pro-Choice Missouri. And Representative Rasheen Aldridge, friend of the show. Welcome back. Glad to be You back. have to have a smile on your face seeing uh, that first interview when the Chiron's going to say, Mayor-elect Tashara Jones. It, is, it hasn't like been gone off my face. I've been smiling all week. It's exciting. Some people are, could be Fairweather fans of the new mayor. You are an old school fan. Yeah. Back in the day, hardcore, from the jump. Uh, it had to be a fun election night to see. It, it was, I mean, it was a historic election night, yeah. clearly. But like you say, from seeing Tashara grow, I've been working with her since 2012 when she ran for treasurer and then she ran for mayor. I worked on her campaign four years ago. Lose by 888 votes was something that we just never forgot. So it is, it is exciting for St. Louis right now. So your political uh, guy, the new system. Uh, Prop D she, worked. She would have won in the other system too, mm -hmm. but from who filed. Uh, what do you think of the new system in hindsight? I think it worked. I think, uh, you know, it, Tashar won both times in the yeah. primary general, but when you look at the Board of Aldermen, we was able to flip uh, four seats, three seats, uh, down at the Board of Aldermen. One was a vacancy. And so you think that seats. was due to the Oh, absolutely. System? I mean, if you look in the primary, they didn't win the primary, but they're able to engage voters, educate voters, talk about their policy, get them excited, turn up was out, and they were able to win. Uh, George, what did you think of that mayor's race? I know you're very active in Democrat circles. Uh, it looked to me like she was the favorite going in, and she ran the table. She was certainly our favorite. NARAL endorsed her back in the fall, and we've had a lot of folks that ask, why does a reproductive rights organization get involved in city politics mm -hmm. when these issues are often decided on the state or federal level? But we know that the cities, municipalities can do a lot to protect and mitigate the harm caused at the state or federal level, and Tishar is committed to doing that. How does that endorsement process work? If you're running for office and you want, and you, you are pro-choice, you want the support of a group like yours, how does that work? Uh, we have a questionnaire. We do panel interviews, um, especially if it's candidates we haven't met before. But mm -hmm. in this case, we endorsed Tashar in 2017. We endorsed her in her treasurer's races as well as worked with her when she was a representative. Cool. Very good. Um, you know, I would assume folks in Jeffco, your folks, uh, aren't the biggest fans of the city, uh, politics, makeup. Tashara Jones is, a, is not just, she's not just different because she's the first African-American woman to be elected. A lot of charisma with her. Uh, a different, little bit of a different vibe coming out of City Hall. How's that going to reverberate across Merrimack? Well, you know, I'm excited because she talks about working with the region. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm chair of our Port Authority and, the, and our rivers are our future for transportation. And, and I'm, I'm really excited about working with her. And I think that... Uh, I think we'll form a good relationship there. Chair of the, I told you it was Mr. Jeffco. <laughs> Ron Higgs, uh, she has sat in the same chamber you have. She's, she used to push those old boxes when they were the boxes that you had when you first came in. Um, regardless of who is the mayor, there's going to be, it is a very different politically, everything about St. Louis is very different than, say, Butler County, right? Uh, but there's a lot of pressure on folks like, um, like Jason Bean, my senator, to introduce legislation to constrain what the city does. Those are real. Their, their constituents really feel that way. 
What is something she could do to reach out to you and your colleagues and say, hey, guys, give me some time to try some things, and then we'll look at the data and we'll see if they work. Maybe they work, maybe they don't work. How does she, I know she's not gonna win over your, to, with her politics. How does she get some space to try a few things? Communication's gonna be her biggest key, and it looks like she has that. She already knows how this body works and runs. Like you yeah. said yourself, she's been there. She knows how it works. She knows how to build relationships. She's not a bridge burner. We've seen that in her, in her race or campaign, mm -hmm. and just, I mean, in the past. This is one of those elections, you didn't see a whole lot of dirt come up about her. Well, the Post-Dispatch hates her, and they hate you guys, so you have something okay. common, you know? I was just say, that's okay. The Post-Dispatch hates a lot of us that are trying to do good. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got something to talk about, right? <laughs> exactly. We already have something in common yeah, there. there you go. But she, she's one of those that comes out, we were just discussing a little bit ago, she's one that comes out breaking the bricks instead of having you having to break the brick wall down. Yeah. She's open. She's friendly. She's outgoing. She's going to come to us, and I think her one of her biggest asset, assets is her communication skills, and I think she's going to use them. As far as a, so. a senior member in that caucus, you're one of them. You're a very approachable person. Is are you someone she could come to your office? Oh, you sit down, talk. You know. Oh, by all means, I'm looking forward already to working with her. I mean, she can see I've already tried to work with the city on a number of occasions. I might be from St. Charles County, but I understand some of the problems this city has, and I understand this is going to be a team effort. This is one of those things where it's going to take the whole village, not just one person. Let's talk U.S. Senate race. So you know, not um, a great opportunity for Democrats in, in this with with Joe Biden in the White House, Democrats controlling everything nationally. However, there might be one candidate that Democrats might have a shot with, right? If, if the Republicans nominate a certain former governor. Well, it's, it's tough. My organization doesn't support or doesn't endorse in federal races. We leave okay. that to our national. However, I'm, it's a crowded Democrat field right now, and I'm looking to see who's going to rise to the occasion of being able to prioritize and protect reproductive freedom. Yeah, former Senator Sifton, uh, big advocate of reproductive freedom himself. Uh, Jay Nixon talk about running. Is this going to come down to sometime around February when filing starts? What kind of chance Eric Greitens has? Is that going to affect that Democrat field? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I think we're going to be kind of sitting back eating popcorn yeah. and watching the the, er fight. the two Eric's, the, the shorter one and the taller one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I love watching your tweets, but you know, it's going to be for us being. It's going to be a moment for us to coalesce around candidate, one candidate in the Democratic yeah. side let the the craziness happen on the other side and if Greitens come out as the nominee i think that is a good shot for democrats let's talk about this Derek. good i mean you've got you've essentially got almost two primaries you've got john bruner eric schmidt is running you've got vicky hartzler said she's running this week to some folks in jeff city jason smith seems like he's very interested billy long's kicked the tires um you kind of have a group of one of one folks that this probably isn't a general race that's going to be that competitive. Then you have former Governor Greitens. How do folks like yourself get in a room and kind of say, okay, how do we pare down this seven into one or two? Well, I'll use his word, and we need to coalesce around one person to, to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I told people months ago, look, a lot of these folks are good friends of mine. There are some really good people yeah. that are considering this race. But I told Ann people. Ann Wagner is somebody. Yeah. I'm not sure Ann Wagner would be the most effective against Eric Greitens. I think, you know, she's willing to attack. She's, she she's willing to do what she needs to do. She, I think she's better statewide than she maybe is in even her own district. I told people months ago, Vicki Hartzler was one that uh, people in this area may not know, but she's one to watch out for. You know, she's going to run a, a strong campaign. She's going to work hard. She's really kind of a, a Reagan-esque candidate, um, you know, female from down in that area. So a little old school, but that may help in this primary. So, um, you know, look forward to seeing what happens there, but we got to come together. Ron Hicks, in, uh, probably the most interesting Senate race probably of my lifetime for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, really, since Ashraf Carnahan, probably the most interesting Senate race we've had in the state. Um, you do look at these members of Congress, and you look at Eric Schmidt, 
uh, John Bruner. Uh, it looks like that Eric Greidens, I mean, let's be honest, there is your constituents. Many of them will still support Eric Greidens. There's, there's oh, a yeah. solid group of people. He does have some support. If you cut, maybe that support doesn't grow that high in that primary, but if you cut the number of votes down you need to win, he absolutely could win that race. Oh, right? he definitely could. I mean, I get Facebook teased all the time from some of my friends about, you know, they post up there, you know, Eric Greitens for, you know, Senate and yeah. Hicks for this, uh, you know, and all this. And it's like, no, no, no. But, you know, that's that's one of those races. It's really hard for me, too. You got to remember, I've served with some of them members. Yeah. Even on the House floor, for that matter. And now I'm seeing my friends running against each other and stuff. And I mean, it's unfortunate. I've always been an Eric Schmidt fan and it's unfortunate for everyone else on that. But it's still a struggle. It's hard to watch everyone, you know, go at each other when you know them. I'll say this gets to January, right? Uh, and you've got redistricting. It's going to be crazy now with all this backdrop. If there's still several of these candidates in, what do you do to try to work through that? They're going to have to sit down at a table. There's no way we can do this to each other. Yeah. They're going to have to sit down at a table and come up with something here. Let's talk about Medicaid. You've been very vocal about Medicaid expansion. The voters voted for it. But, in all honesty, they didn't really say where they were going to get the money from. Now there's some thoughts of some federal money using some of that. There's a bunch of pots you can play. Overall, I think the case is right. The voters voted for it. They should get what they voted for, right? Absolutely. The voters passed it in August by 53%, and the initiative petition process doesn't really have an avenue to put funding into it. That goes down to these folks. It's your job. It's your job to make it happen and implement the well of the people. Medicaid, well, you could have put a funding source in it if you wanted to, right? Through the petition it process. It just would have had it been a little bit tougher vote, right? Yeah. 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 Put a tax or something. Yeah. What do you think? You're on the House floor. You spoke. What? Give me the best case for they voted for it, they should get it. I mean, it, it's very clear. Like you say, they, they voted for it. 53% of Missourians voted for it. We know this is a huge cost saver to the state. It is going to cost a little bit of money. And that was said sure. when we, the people was running I had a few folks sit in this chair, and I'd be like, now nah, I'm just a simple hillbilly, but I would believe your case three or four years out. It's neutral. I don't believe in year one. And they said, no, in year one. And I was like, ah, my no, white no. trash radar's up. I don't <laughs> buy that. And it, I mean, it's going to cost a little bit of money. And like Mallory said, we could have, I mean, there could have been a different appropriation, like a tax, but who really wants to? I mean, right now in a, in a pandemic to say we're going to, you know, make people pay a higher taxes for this. Our next folks sit in that, those two chairs and they'd say it's going to be revenue for year one. I'd be like, now nah, I'm just a hillbilly, but I don't buy that. Yeah, you know, Give I'm me the case good. for why the House did not fund this. Well, first off, it could have been funded. It could have been in the original when they were putting this could through have. the ballot initiative and everything. It could have been funded in that. We know that. They passed the easiest thing to get passed to sure. people. That's why they did it the way they did, and now they're leaving it up to us and Jeff City to, to fund it. It needs to be funded. I'll go ahead and say that, yes. But how are we going to do that? We're going to take money from roads, bridges, schools. I mean, this is one of those where you're going to rob Peter to pay Paul. Where are we? We're stuck in the middle of this. It's almost easier to not fund it. And Peter was hiding when you all were doing that budget process, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, you bet. <laughs> Rasheed Aldridge with a minute left, he won the week. Uh, our new mayor, elected Char Jones, is a historic uh, day in the city of St. Louis. A historic year is going to be uh, first African American female in the city of St. Louis. Who won the week? St. Louis did with a flipped board of aldermen with mayor elect Tashara Jones, who's going to work to bring the city together. St. Louis won. You have a little bit to do with that flipping, I think. Who won the week? Got to be Tashara Jones. You walk in at a time now with $500 million yes. to, uh, to work on the city and to reach out to folks and build coalitions. I, it has to be her this week. Who won the week? I'm going to run back into Jeff City there, and I'm going to pick the gentle giant of the Moleg there, Curtis Gregory, for uh, House yeah. Bill 604. He got his first piece of legislation passed as a freshman. I am going to say, in an age where it's so easy to just do crazy stuff on Twitter, where nuance and intelligent legislating seems to be a, a more endangered species, I'm going to say the Alec Baldwin of the Missouri Times, Ron Hicks. Your bill on keeping 
the gun away from somebody in a domestic violence situation is, is something that maybe you don't get Twitter likes on, maybe you don't get all the crazies on each side riled up, but it's actually intelligent, sensible things that are hard to do these days. And I would say you won the week, sir. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much for that. Thank You'll you. join us next week here on This Week wow. in Missouri Politics. This Week in Missouri Politics, sponsored by the Missouri Association of Career Fire Protection Districts, Spire, and Sterling Bank. Guys, thank you so much for watching the show. I want to tell you about a new thing we're offering. It's the Missouri Times Podcast Network. You'll get this show every week. If you want to listen to it in your car, you don't have time to watch it. You'll get our show in Missouri podcast, History of Missouri, one county at a time. You'll also get our midweek update. Once a week, I throw up the uh, Facebook Live. I, 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 we talk politics, usually it'll lunch and discuss politics. You'll get to hear all those things come right to your phone. Subscribe to us on iTunes or Android. Missouri Times Podcast Network. Please join us and subscribe.